You're listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. We pray that as you hear this word, you would be encouraged and inspired as you pursue Jesus in your everyday life. Take out your phone or your real Bible. We are going to actually read the whole chapter of Daniel 1, okay? This is an amazing story. You ready? Let's check. Okay, we're going to set the scene. It's summer of 605 B.C. And in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put the treasure house. Oh, put in the treasure house of his God. Yeah. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names, to Daniel the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid, my lord, of my lord the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please, test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but the vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. Yum. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of the king Cyrus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Aaron. So today's message, if I had a name for it, and I do have a name for it, I guess, is the way of the exile. Or if you're from the East Coast, you might know the saying, from away. Does anybody know that saying that people say? Yeah, you know that saying. I'm from away. Um, all right. Our key verse for today is 1 Peter 2.11. And it says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles, that's just people who don't believe like us nowadays, honorable, 
so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. So when we're thinking about this way of the exile, I was thinking about my life and I realized that I've had this kind of unique experience where I've been an immigrant twice over. Um, So once when I was a kid and then again as a young woman and and I realized this gave me like a really unique perspective on life. Um, Mostly because I kind of was always from away, like was always from somewhere else, didn't really, wasn't from the place where I've lived or grown up. And also because I grew up hearing things like this, and, and I'm grateful for this, and I know not everybody's experience is like this. I grew up hearing things like, the world is your home. Like, you belong everywhere. And, and, and not just, just for saying that, but because I was always told, well, God is your father, right? The creator of the universe owns everything. So you belong. Even though you're different and from somewhere else, you belong. You're from somewhere else and and I kind of grew up you know yeah just being so aware that I belonged to something bigger outside of what I was seeing right here and that didn't necessarily shield me from kind of like the trials and hardships of being an immigrant twice over you know like I still had to always be different um, or, or look different I had to learn a new language or understand a completely different culture um what it did for me is it grounded me. Um, I carried with me a knowing that my real identity, my real culture, my people were the ones I read about in here. Um, they were the people of God. I just, I carried that within me. I, I was like keenly aware of that. I always carried a knowing that there was like this spiritual kingdom, right, that I belonged to. I knew, and I always knew anywhere I was, as flawed as she may be, that at church I could find family. I could find my people. So from away. Oh, hey, hi. Um, so in the past few weeks, If you've been here, Caleb has been actually tackling different themes around our current culture. So he's talked about the beauty of biblical sexuality. We've heard about the freedom and safety and gift that sex between a man and a woman is in marriage. We heard that God honors and values life. He has a high value of our body and life. We've learned to ask the right questions this day and age. And instead of engaging in kind of these low-level arguments just to prove that we're right about something, we've learned to ask questions like, what's the purpose? And this all reminded me of Daniel as we talked about being different, of being set apart. It reminded me of the story of Daniel. And it reminded me, actually, of a word that the prophet Jeremiah had for the people in exile. Where, you know, as an ex- as the people were exiled, they kind of had these choices to make. They could just be like, well, when in Babylon, do as the Babylonians. Um, or they could hide away in a little hole, not come out, or just like fight the power and be, uh. Um, but the prophet Jeremiah actually offered this third way. And this is the way that I like to call the way of the exile. And this is where we're going to kind of keep our minds today. Um, 
So I want you to go there with me. Now, some of you are probably thinking, I've lived in my hometown my entire life. I don't know what that's like. And I was actually thinking about my husband, because I realized you were, like, born and raised in Victoria. He is, like, from the island. I don't think you wore, like, closed-toe shoes till you were an adult, till I was like, you can't just wear flip-flops all winter. You just can't. I think we had a thing, like, that I was like, I'm buying you loafers now. You're an adult. Um, anyways. So maybe you're feeling like, I don't know what it's like to be in exile. Like, I don't know what that's like. Uh, but maybe I can change your mind. Um, right? The reality, right, if you've been around, is that we are all living in Babylon. And in the Bible, Babylon um, and living in exile is kind of like the human condition. Babylon became a, a type, right, representing any institution or kingdom that... Um, demands allegiance to its idolatrous redefinition of what's good and evil or right and wrong. Can I say that again? So Babylon is kind of any institution or kingdom that it's demanding allegiance to itself when it's redefined and made an idol, redefined, right, um, good and evil. So if you call yourself a Christian today, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are in fact my friend from away. You are an exile. You are a sojourner on this earth awaiting your true home. Here's what Jesus says about that, okay? I have a lot of scriptures today because the Bible just says it way better than I could possibly say it. So just follow along like it's good. John 15 says, this is the way Jesus put it. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. This is why the world hates you. It's just kind of tough, but it's sometimes the truth. Romans 12.2 talks about us not conforming to the patterns of this world. Like we're, we're called to not be like everybody else. Philippians 3.20 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. This is the Apostle Paul. We eagerly await our Savior from, from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And now Peter says it like this, and I love this. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from simple desires which wage war against your soul. So we've established that we are indeed aliens and foreigners and exiles in this world. So what does that look like? And what is this third way that the prophet Jeremiah offered to Daniel and his friends that we read about the, actually, the whole first half of the book of Daniel is just kind of examples over and over and over of seeing how these guys are living in a place that is not their home and, and living out this third way. And let's look at it. So Jeremiah 29 verse 4 says this. Is it up there? Oh, good. Okay. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it. Because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So how do we as believers seek the well-being of Babylon 
while our allegiance is to someone greater, someone bigger, to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the tension that as followers of Jesus we're called to live in. That is the way of the exile. That was the third way that the prophet Jeremiah offered to Daniel and his friends when they were taken into Babylon. So the question for us is, are we building? Are we planting? Are we praying? How do we practically do this? The Bible offers so many ways to do it. Um, and I have another, like we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures real quick that uh, just offer some practical ways for us. Yes, you read my mind. You knew exactly what I was wanting. The Bible has some practical ways for us to um, live this out. So I was like, are you guys? Oh, my goodness. Guys, oh, being set apart. It's good. All right. So we're going to go through a bunch of scriptures right now when we're thinking about that third way that the prophet Jeremiah offered Daniel. And I'm going to say he's offering us today. Okay? Yes. <laughs> All right. First Peter 2.12 says this. Live such good lives among the pagans, people who don't believe like us. Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God. We're going to skip to verse 15. And 1 Peter 2 says, For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. And another version actually says bond slaves. And that's someone who's chosen to stay and serve. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. As we read these, I want you to think about certain areas of your life where you're like, I don't know how to go forward in this area in my life. I don't know where to move forward, and I'll give you some examples later where that's happening in my life. But I also want you to know that the Bible is living and active. Like, I know if you've been around church, you've kind of heard that your whole life. Like, it actually, like, there's nothing new under the sun. Like, think about any crazy weird thing happening in our society and our world today. Like, the Bible has something to say about it. And um, I just, I just... This is why I think I have like a long list of scriptures because I, I'm just, I get so excited and it offers me so much hope because a lot of times people are like, oh, like this world is so messed up and did all these things. And I was like, yeah, yeah, but Jesus has something to say about it. Like, so as we read this, I want you to just think about how God is offering you a solution to different areas and problems in your life. All right. Romans 12, 9. This is a good one, y'all. It's kind of a long one, but just we can do it. Romans 12, 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Just a little side note. If you're feeling like your love's growing cold, find a way to serve the Lord with someone who loves Jesus. And it will just encourage you. Be joyful in hope. Verse 12. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. 
Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. I was sharing today in the coffee kitchen, and I was like, man, thank you for making coffee today. And I realized that there is, there are these two situations in my life that I have no more words to pray about it. Like, I'm just like, I've pr- I don't even know what to pray about this situation anymore. I don't even know. I don't even have words to say to this situation. And I felt like the Lord said the way forward is food, which is like, if you know, I like food, y'all. I really do. Um, I don't love cooking, but yet God always somehow puts me in like places where I have to cook for people. It's like his joke to me or something. Um, and I, I mean, I'm telling you, there's a situation in my life that I'm like, I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know if you care, Jesus, anymore. Like, I think this is just my lot. And what I felt that he said so strongly is to, like, practice hospitality. And I think sometimes we forget that there's something so supernatural about, like, feeding someone or giving someone a cold cup of water. Like, so I just want to encourage y'all to, like, if you're, like, at at the end of something or a a relationship, maybe food is the answer. (laughs) Like, maybe food is the way forward. But just, man, I'm telling you hospitality will break down walls faster than anything I could possibly say. Like a good taco, that'll just like soften someone's heart to the gospel so quick, so quick. And it's holy, like it's unto the Lord for you to feed people. Like, all right, so let's keep going. Romans 12, verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. That's hard. That's hard. I love this one. Don't be conceited. I can be conceited for sure. All right. Verse 17, don't repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And I love this next part. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heat burning coals on his head. Like, that's like so intense. Um, But it's good. You know, talking about this revenge piece, man, so many times in my life, not that tons of like terrible things have happened in my life, but just God is your best defender. Like when you choose to follow Jesus, I'm not saying you're not going to have troubles or problems in your life. I'm married to a lawyer. He's a really good one. But Jesus is way better. He is your best defender. He's the best judge. So just trust me on that one and the Bible. All right. Verse 21, do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good. I know that was a lot. But this is kind of that holy third way that the prophet Jeremiah was offering to us and to Daniel and his friends. 
Now, I want us to know, like, if you leave today having heard one thing, and as a follower of Jesus, you've accepted Jesus, you call yourself a Christian, you need to know that you belong to a greater kingdom than what we see all around and what's right here, what's on this earth. That your this earth is not ultimate your home, but you have been called and placed here for this time, right? Like, to use scripture, for such a time as this, right? I know I talk about, I have four little kids growing up in this culture today. And a lot of times there's a lot of fear around that as parents. But then I was like thinking about something and I was like, you know what? Like Jesus knew exactly, he knows exactly the time and the season that my kids were going to be born. And he actually knows what their generation needs and has placed inside of my children, whether they know it yet or not, the answer and the key that this generation needs so that they would come to the knowledge of Jesus. So actually, I'm really excited about my kids growing up in this crazy culture because the light shines brightest when it's real dark. There they are. Listen to them. Roar. <laughs> right you've been called for this time and maybe like Daniel and his friends you can bring the revelation and wisdom of God into your daily life and I'm 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 saying this because I'm preaching it to myself I had a real rough past two weeks I need his wisdom in my daily life and you know, he's called you for your job. He's called you for your household. I, I'm just going to tell you, like, sometimes I'm like, you had the wrong job for me, Jesus. Like, all the last two weeks, I was like, I don't, I don't think you meant for me to be a mom of four. That's the wrong job, Jesus. And that's a lie. Like, that's a lie from the enemy. But that's sometimes what comes into my mind. Like, Somebody, you got me confused with somebody else. But then I called Becky. Did I, did I, did I not? I did. And I was like, I need you to pray for me. This is, it's hard today. And so that's, that's that kingdom that we belong to. Like that's that family of God that you belong to. Anyways, that's, that was a side note. <laughs> she prayed. She was like, okay, I know it's hard. But let's pray. I like Becky because she just always has a scripture to say, and she kind of whips me back into shape. Um, you've been called to the place where you're serving, whether it's your home, whether it's in an office, whether it's in a school, whether it's for your own children. You are to bring the wisdom of God into those situations. As I was, like, praying and thinking about this Sunday, I um, came on this scripture and I really felt like it was a prophetic word for our community. And I get super excited about that because we're about to like go into September. And I was tracking with you, Hannah, because September always does feel like the beginning of a new year for me. And we had this amazing time this week at our staff meeting here at church because we were just like dreaming. We were just like so excited. Oh, what's God going to do? Like, what is he going to do this September? What What are we going to do? What does he want us to do? We're seeking him and we're so excited. And I just, um, anyways, I was praying for this Sunday and this is what I felt was a word from the Lord. So as I read it, I want you to hear it with your spirit. And another little side note, one of the miracles that Jesus performed the most was to open deaf ears. 
And I think he's still doing that today. So we're going to, and I don't mean physical, like, yes, he still does it physical, and, and that can happen. So if you need it, we're going to pray for that. But Father, I just ask right now that as we read this next word, Lord, that you would open our spiritual ears to hear what you have to say to us today. So Romans 13, 11 says this. And do this, understanding the present time, that the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is near now than when we first believed. The night is nearly day over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in carousing or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. I like that last line. It's just like so plain. Um, so citizens of heavens as sons and daughters of the king living in this world but not belonging to it, we are to be clothed in Jesus and put on the armor of light. So like what does that look like? And I was, as I was thinking about that, I was like, okay, well, all right, what does that mean? Sometimes we say a lot of these Christian lines and I'm like, how, does that, how do I like actually do that like every day? And so I was thinking about what does it mean to put on Christ? And I'm like, well, I think it means to learn his ways. So his ways, like he went to dinner with Zacchaeus who worked for the government and he was like super shady. But when Jesus walked into his house, like salvation came to his house that day. <laughs> he like like looks at the house, right? Is that how the house the the song goes? Um like through the kindness of Jesus, he repented. Like there was repentance happening. It wasn't like he just glossed over his sinful life. It was like no, the kindness of Jesus brought forth repentance in Zacchaeus and him and his whole family got paid and actually everybody stole from I think it was four times what he had stolen got back. So this is what happens. This is a kingdom for you. This is what happens. And this is learning Jesus' ways. This is what clothing yourself in Jesus Christ looks like. It looks like talking to the woman that nobody wants to talk to. Like the woman at the well, nobody wanted to even be seen. Talk like actually, I find it really interesting that it says Jesus had been talking to this woman at the well. And if John 4, if you don't know that story, she was basically had a lot of men in her life. Nobody wanted to talk to her. She was a Samaritan. Like, she was kind of mixed. And back in the day, that was like, no. It says that when the disciples came back, they had gone to buy bread. They didn't even ask him about it. Like, it even says, like, they, like, didn't say anything. Like, what are you doing? What's your purpose? Because I think they were just like, I don't, I'm not even going to touch that. <laughs> you know? So learning the way of Jesus is seeing how he acted. He spoke to the woman nobody would speak to. He didn't, again, just ignore her sin, but through the kindness and supernatural revelation that he brought to her, he had tact and wisdom. A whole town was saved. That's being clothed with Jesus. We learn his ways. We put on the armor of light, it says, We can really be the light of the world, right? When we learn to walk like Jesus did. 
he confronted the sins of his day in the right moment and in the right place and with the right tone and with the tact that can only be given through the Holy Spirit. I'm going to brag on my husband for a sec. He's going to hate it. He has a way of speaking into situations that are like super hard and nobody wants to talk about with the truth of the Bible that somehow gets well received. Maybe not. Maybe some people get really mad. I don't know. But I just like, I don't know, just the example is I've seen this man walk into places where I know everybody else doesn't feel the same. But somehow with the wisdom and tact of like the revelation of the Holy Spirit and the mercy of God, I've seen him walk into a room and speak the truth of what the Bible says and say, hey, what's going on? Like, we stand for this, this, and this. Why are we, why are people succumbing to the current culture? Or why are we bending over backwards for something that's not the truth of the Bible? I've seen him do it. And if anything, it's brought favor and blessing into our life. Maybe one or two people don't like us anymore, but that's okay. They didn't like Jesus very much. So I'm saying it's possible to live in this world and not be of it, not succumb to the current culture. We clothe ourselves in Jesus by learning his ways. And another plug for the Bible, <laughs> best book. The only way you're going to learn Jesus' ways is by actually knowing the story. It's really hard. I have four kids. I don't wake up very early. just doesn't work for me. Ask my husband. I am another person before 9 a.m. I am, and it sucks, and, I, and I'm asking God to help me. Like, I'm being serious. Like, I'm sorry. Just, I just want to be real. Like, this is, this is what life pursuing Jesus looks like. But if there's anything that transforms my day is remembering the truth of what Jesus says about me or it's reading the scriptures and you run to it. Uh, a friend of ours this week, and maybe if you remember this quote, just said something like, once you've tasted and seen, like, you kind of want to go back and you get curious. So if you have time to read like one verse, do that. Um, I often just like put it in my Bible app and play it while I'm making dinner. So you will only know God's ways when you know his ways, when you know the story. Um, that was just a plug for the Bible. And it speak like I'm telling you, think of anything weird God spoke about it in the Bible. There are some weird things in the Bible. Like anything you can think about, you can find it in the book. All right? So just get excited about the Bible. It's, it's relevant. All right. I'm sorry. I'm going to go on. Um. <laughs> Anyways, okay. The Bible says that when Daniel purposed in his heart, not to defile himself with the things offered to him. It says that God gave him favor and goodwill. Another version says favor and compassion. Another version says favor and tender love. And this is what the, the guard felt towards him. It's not, that's cool. I like that. I want that. When Daniel purposed in his heart to not be stained by everything from the world, to not look like everybody else, to not eat the same food, to not 
take part in the gossip that's happening in my office or in the hall down here to just cut it off at the root or to not take part in name your thing. Later in chapter 2, it actually says the king had this dream and nobody had the interpretation for it. So he was like, kill them all. Kill all the people that say they're wise guys, like the wise guys. No, that's not the word. The wise men. (laughs) Wise guys. Same thing. The wise men of of the day. Like, those are the people he would call, right? Like, the, you know, the guys who studied the stars and all those men. Uh, He was like, kill them all. So it says that the guards came to Daniel and where Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. And when they came, like, this is me paraphrasing. I feel like he was like, what? And he comes out, like, knowing that they're after his head. And he's like, hey, hey, can you tell me what's going on here? And so he tells them. And somehow, this is really cool. The Bible says, and Daniel, with wisdom and tact, came out and talked to them. And he, like, got himself some time. So he's like, let me seek the Lord on that and see if I can bring you the interpretation, okay? Like, and I love that. Like, they were after his head. And yet God gave him the right words at the right time when he needed them so that they wouldn't die, right? And if you know the story, God gives them the interpretation. He goes back to the king. All good things. He says this is what the dream means. He gets promoted again. So I'm not saying that you're not going to have troubles when you purpose in your heart to be like Jesus and to be set apart and to follow in his ways. But I am saying that he's going to be with you. I'm saying that he's going to give you wisdom and tact, which I love, because I feel like that's what we need for this day and age and our generation. Like, he's going to be with you. And as believers living in this tension of being in exile in Babylon, of, um, you know, the third way that the prophet Jeremiah offered it, it looks like maybe having peace when there's all these things going wrong in the world. I know somebody this week was like, oh, there's going to be a gas shortage, uh," and started to, like, have these moments. And I said to my husband, I just turned to him at one point, and I was like, should we, like, should we be doing anything? Is there something we should, you know, like I'm starting to be like, oh, I got four kids. I got to drive them around. I got to do all this. Thing. And he was like, what is that you said to me? He's like, no, we, we plan for prosperity. Or no, what did you say? We plan. You don't even remember. The Lord uses him in so many ways and he doesn't even remember. He was like, no, no. He said, we plan for growth. And I was like, oh, I love that man. Like, just, whew. I was like, yes, we do. Like. Because we are secure. Yeah, you're wise. Jesus gives you wisdom, but he's like, nah, we plan for growth. Because where are my feet planted? Jesus owns all the cattle in the field. This is who your God is. This is who you trust. This is who Daniel was like, I'm going to just bank that God's going to give me that interpretation or else I'm dead. And he trusted and he stepped out and God gave him the word that he needed for that moment. You see, living set apart, walking in God's ways, abstaining from living life the way that our current culture demands is for your ultimate good. Firstly, it's that God's name would be made famous on this earth, that he would be glorified. But secondly, and it's a beautiful kind of byproduct, is that he wants your good. 
God's desire and heart for us is our good, our ultimate good. And the purpose of living set apart is that all people would know the blessing of the Lord. Because if you keep reading in that passage in Jeremiah, which we'll put up when Jeremiah was like, plant gardens, like live, live amongst these people. This is what the Lord says later on. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, and we all know it, but I want you to hear it again and actually take time to hear it again. It says, for I know the plans I have for you. Now, think about it now as you're in exile and you're living in Babylon. Hear the word of the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to me and I will listen to you. Like that's what he did for Daniel. He's like, I'm going to go seek the Lord on this one and see if I get the interpretation. And he did. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I'll gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I'll bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. There is a beautiful inheritance set apart for the people of God that remains set apart. I believe that the kind of boldness and wisdom and tact that Daniel and his friends walked with is available for you today and is actually, you know, what we need for this generation. The way of the exile is like this combination of full surrender and loyalty to God and, and also like this funny kind of subversion, but it's a subversion for our city's good. And for the peace of the place where we live, that all men would know the goodness and kindness of God through your life, through your being set apart, through your choosing ways of doing business that are different than everybody else, through your standing up for what's right in front of your peers, through you not caving into social pressure. Name your thing. Through you not being afraid of not being liked. I like being liked. I've always liked being in front of people. Like, that's just the reality. I've always liked being in a show, you know? Like, I liked singing and kind of dancing and all those things. Like, but the way of the exile is different. There are moments of great favor and mountaintop moments, and then there's moments of hiddenness or moments of feeling like nobody likes me right now, but, but the Bible says that this is true, so I'm going to stand for it. And I'm going to take it to the bank that the blessing of the Lord is on my life if I remain set apart. And the blessing of the Lord doesn't look like me having everything I want in this side of eternity. That's kind of hard, but it's true. We seek the good of our city, but we draw the line when it needs to be drawn. We serve, we pray, we get involved, we go to Bayside, we honor God and his ways. We run youth group. We host people in our house that we might think are not cool or like super annoying. Name your thing. We're living in a weird world. 
But Jesus is still the answer. He is still offering hope and joy where there's no hope. There's so much hopelessness. And we get to bring hope into situations where there is no hope. I'm going to end with this scripture, and it's Jesus praying, and it's John 17, and they call this the high priestly prayer because he was praying this before he was going to go to the cross. And I was thinking about this, and I was like, man, Jesus was about to go into that holy place, offer himself as a sacrifice, and the Bible says that, you know, that veil tore in two. I'm sure you've heard that. We've sung that. And all that means is now we have access to God. When before we, we, we didn't, we would just like die if we tried to go in his presence. He, he provided access to the, to, to the Father. So this is what he prayed. Part of it is a long thing. And I want you to hear it because I was like, oh, Jesus is on our side. Like, he is the best intercessor. He is praying for you. He is rooting for you. He is on your side. And this is what he says. He says, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be sanctified. So see, the prophet Jeremiah was just aligning himself with the words of Jesus. Live. Plant your garden. He's sending you into the world that you would be truly sanctified, it says. He's praying that you would be protected as you go out and do what God's calling you to do as you live your daily life wherever he's calling you to live. The way of the exile is one where we maybe not necessarily are cool in everyone's eyes, but one where we get to see God show up where we get to see them shut the mouths of lions. Remember when they threw Daniel in the pit because he wouldn't bow down to that golden calf? And after that, what happened? He got promoted again because he trusted, because he remained steadfast and he believed in the God that had sent him into exile. And he believed that he'd show up and he saw him do it over and over and over again. One kind of fun thing about this kind of living is, it's kind of exciting. <laughs> like you get to, it's hard. The waiting is hard. But it's kind of exciting to wait and see what God's going to do. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for us. And my heart is that today you would leave knowing, number one, that you are set apart. That you are not from this world. That you would leave with a confidence that the creator of the universe is your father. And so when you walk into a room, you walk in with Jesus rooting for you. With him on your side. When you walk in, 
knowing that you have to stand for the truth of the gospel of what Jesus says in the Bible, that you would believe that he's going to show up for you. And it might not be easy. Like, it probably didn't feel really exciting when they were, like, just about to throw him into the pit. And then they did. Like, Daniel was probably like, okay, now this is, like, right about where you show up with some angels, right? But they actually, like, threw him in. So it's like, okay. Last example from Daniel. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're in front of the king. And they're like, he's like, another chance. Like, you're not going to bow down to this thing. And they were like, no. But we want you to know this. Our God is able to deliver. But even if he does not, we will not bow down to that golden calf. Idol, not calf. Calf was somewhere else. That's some hard stuff. But it's the way of the exile that we're called to live in this earth. It's beautiful and it's hard, but there is great reward in following the ways of the Lord. We started off, if you remember, um, Caleb started this series reading from Psalm 19. And there's kind of this list that says the law of the Lord is good. It gives, it revives the soul. It gives light. All these things. And and, uh, kind of towards the bottom of that list, it says in them, in following them, there is great reward. So Jesus, I pray that today, everybody who's hearing my voice would know that they are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that they have a family and a heavenly kingdom to which they belong to. Lord, I pray for those who are feeling not quite bold today. I pray for boldness in the name of Jesus. I pray for people who are facing really hard situations at work or at school. Maybe they're feeling ostracized. Maybe they're feeling like, I just want to be liked for once. Holy Spirit, I pray for wisdom intact in those moments for them. The right words at the right time. And Lord, I pray for those who might be wondering, I'm not really sure where I stand with Jesus today. That they would know that, Jesus, you gave your life for us that while we were still sinners... I don't have to be squeaky clean to come to Jesus. You gave your life for me while I was still in the pit. Father, I thank you for your word today. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would um, just bring joy to everyone's heart today as they walk out, knowing that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Father, we thank you for every opportunity that we're going to have this week to show the love and light of Jesus to the world and our city, to our neighborhood, to our family members. And God, I pray for supernatural presence of the Holy Spirit as everybody goes to eat some food after this. I thank you that you show up around the table. And I pray that you would show up for everyone this week, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to the Life Tree Church Sermon of the Week. At Life Tree, we are a family all about declaring and displaying Jesus to transform lives and benefit our city. If you'd like to find out more about Life Tree, you can find us online at lifetree.ca.